Welcome to the Patriot Podcast, a production of Covenant Academy in Cypress, Texas. Our hope is that this podcast connects you to the heart of our community, culture, and those who are helping shape the hearts and minds of students. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Patriot Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Michael Gaines, and I'm joined today uh, by Leslie Collins, the head of school here at Covenant Academy. And uh, we also have with us today uh, Michelle Hunt, who is the upper school theology, humanities, and biblical Greek teacher. Glad to see you, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. So uh, in this episode, we are continuing our conversation around Psalm 46. So, you know, when when we, and, and kind of taking some of the concepts that, that we've been talking about, um, you know, for, for someone who is looking at, at Psalm 46, and, and Michelle, kind of looking to you, when you sort of approach uh, this particular uh, chapter, what, what are some of the things that, that you're kind of going into it or, or thinking about as, as, uh, as you read through this? So first, um, I, th- I think the first thing to note is that it's a communal psalm. Um, if you look at it in verses 1, 2, 7, 11, there's this emphasis on he is our fortress, he is with us, he is our refuge, we will not fear, um, he is with us. And so this idea of this, again, this is not meant to do in isolation, mm. which is kind of funny since we're all in isolation <laughs> right, right exactly. now. <laughs> like, right. um, but here with the podcast, you know, we don't have to be yeah. with this thing. Amen. But, um, but this is something to say with community. And I think I think another theme that's throughout is just this idea that's chaos that is prevalent in this psalm and the acknowledgement of chaos that's kind of running amok in various realms. Um, but how despite that, um, we as God's people can take refuge in him because regardless of the threats of chaos and how they may manifest, he is stronger than those things. Um which is which is really as as I kind of saw you not in your head, Leslie, but yeah, I mean that's that is the name of the game, mm-hmm. you know, today, which mm-hmm. is the feeling mm-hmm. and and reality in some aspects that um, that things are kind of all over the map, you mm-hmm. know, and, and even on a very local, uh, tangible level, even within the covenant community, mm-hmm. the fact that maybe for some students it feels a little chaotic of, you know, my routine of getting up and going to school and being in the courtyard and, you know, having morning assembly, like those things mm-hmm. are, you know, w- while they might be disrupted, um, it is encouraging. And, and I'm seeing, uh, even as we're talking here, the, the, the true um, encouragement and reality that God is faithful and he is here mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. even even through you know the the, the craziness uh, or cray cray as maybe some kids might even <laughs> say right and 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 just to acknowledge the chaos for families parents like you who are full time mm. and Rachel who are working mm-hmm. and now you're homeschooling by mm-hmm. nature yeah. of this situation it's incredibly difficult uh and I'll I'll be honest our teachers are working uh it, harder 
in order to bring the resources that you all need. Uh, people might think, oh, well, this is just, you know, loading things up on the LMS or meeting via Zoom. Well, actually, it's a lot harder to do all of those steps. It's taking, I would say, three to four times longer to do everything related to the LMS and, and the upload so that parents can teach at home than it would be for us to walk into a classroom and begin to do what we're gifted to do. Um, and so, but this is what God has called us to. Mm -hmm. And we are going to, we're all in and we're leaning in. And, but the chaos is real. <laughs> right, right. The chaos is real. Right. I think too, so many times, uh, Michelle, don't you uh, feel that people uh, think the Psalms? I mean, that's so Old Testament. That's, they're so irrelevant to our modern culture. Uh, I think that's a normal thought that modern mm. um, believers, believers or unbelievers may have as they look at our desire to um, take every thought captive to Christ and believe that every word of God is inspired. How would you answer that? I mean, yeah, the the verses in Timothy and Hebrews about like mm -hmm. God's word being living and active and every scripture is God breathed and mm -hmm profitable for reproof and um, and those sorts of things. Uh, when those were written, they weren't even talking about the New Testament. That's about the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. That's what they had mm -hmm. available to them. And so with things like, you know, Leviticus or Exodus, where I think we're prone to throw those out the window pretty quickly because we don't understand them. But even with Psalms like this one, where there are some things that are hard to understand, like who is Korah? What's an alamot? You know, <laughs> things that are foreign to us. It's easy to just kind of skim over those and gloss over those because they're not easy to understand. But really, if you spend some time gleaning through it and trying to understand a little bit better, I mean, if we take those words seriously, that it is God breathed and prof profitable for us, then 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 there is nothing that's that's useless or not edifying or super important. These are God's words, um, and so they're always relevant. Amen. Amen. This is uh, Jimmy Ryan, and I teach 10th through 12th history here at Covenant. I hope that as you're listening to this podcast, you and yours are doing okay as you adapt to whatever your new normal might be. In fact, that's kind of the word or concept that's been floating around in my head the past couple of weeks. And it's probably the main idea or theme that I want to talk about with you guys today. Being adaptable. First, though, I'd like you to bear with me for a bit. As one of the history teachers at Covenant, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't at least bring up some sort of historical element to this podcast. Naturally, my go-to in any situation like this is to apply some of the history I've learned to the present, to the now. Not because the past has any intrinsic mystical powers, but it's certainly more knowable and concrete than the future, and can often provide at least some small insight into what we're currently experiencing in the present. So if you'll allow me a slight detour, I'd like to talk a little history before talking about adaptability. Now, a lot of people over the past few weeks have brought up all sorts of comparison points to 
what we're going through, each of them with their own merits. The Spanish flu, which infected a quarter of the world's population, is one we've probably all heard a lot today. It's a natural and obvious comparison point, as is the bubonic plague in the middle of the 14th century. These were both far-reaching, devastating pandemics with enormous sociological impacts. And given all the news on the economy and the stock market of late, the Great Depression is another one that comes to mind. Starting with the stock market crash of 1929, the Great Depression vastly altered the world's economy, causing international trade to fall more than 50% and unemployment to rise as high as 33% in some countries. It was unprecedented. The world's GDP fell 15% during the Great Depression. For a point of comparison, the worldwide GDP fell less than 1% in the recession of 08 and 09. Another historical event, um, but perhaps one I've seen pop up in the news less often, is the invasion of France by Nazi Germany in 1940. And if you can't tell yet, by the way, I teach a lot of 20th century history at Covenant. Going back to the event, in May 1940, Nazi Germany shocked the world with the unparalleled speed in which their military took out France's, which France, by the way, at that time, had the most powerful military in the world. French civilians in particular were not ready for the speed in which the Nazis took over. The old order, everything they knew, was very suddenly and very frighteningly uprooted. To the point that on Monday, a family was enjoying a nice night out, Tuesday, all the trains had stopped running, and then by Wednesday, foreign soldiers in shiny black uniforms were goose-stepping past the Eiffel Tower and unfurling crimson flags in every window. Similarly, there is a lot of uncertainty in our world right now. Unlike in France, our enemy isn't necessarily a visible one. It's a seemingly invisible microscopic alien that silently infects its host. And yet today, just as we did in France, and just as we did during the Great Depression or the Spanish flu, life is still functioning. We're still here. Humans have, time and time again, proven their adaptability to new situations. Our current situation is no different. And going back to France, Nazi occupation wasn't exactly comfortable. There was food rationing, curfews, frequent power outages, and, well, Nazis hanging around. But life continued. French people still ate at cafes, they still attended church, they still went to school. Now, I'm not going to say that it wasn't like it was before, and it certainly wasn't perfect, but they adapted. Not unlike many how many of us have had to do so today. I know for many of you, whether it be going to restaurants or your church services, or even our little school, things have looked pretty different the past couple of weeks. But again, we're here. You're listening to this podcast right now, are you not? And in Philippians, Paul, who was imprisoned, wrote about this very thing, about being content in whatever situation he was in, as he found his strength through God the Father. As you and your family learn to adapt in these times, I would encourage you to think on where you're finding contentment these days no matter how big or how small. Which brings me to my next point. I think in times like this, or even Hurricane Harvey, one truly does appreciate the power of learning and the spirit of continuing forward with learning in spite of inconvenience and in spite of hardship. Of course, one might be wondering at times how we can even think to continue to learn 
and do school when all this is going on around us? To which I'll quote C.S. Lewis by saying, If men had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would never have begun. We cannot simply wait for the quote-unquote right moment to come along in life, as our world is a broken one that will never be perfect. If anything, moments like these are precisely the kinds of times to be learning, to be growing, to challenging ourselves, to being adaptable. And that adaptability is going to be key going forward. Anything big like this drastically alters humanity. It makes us stop and reassess and go, hey, wait, what should I be doing? Life is going to change. It'll be different after this. But different isn't necessarily bad, especially if you're adaptable. For example, going back to history, the Great Depression created a whole generation of people who saved every penny and ate every crumb off their dinner plate. And while it certainly changed our nation's security measures, 9-11 also renewed our appreciation for our first responders, our veterans, and our country as a whole. What it meant to be an American. Which brings me to a question that's been spinning around in my head the past few weeks. How will we change? What will social interaction be like after being confined to our homes for so long? What will worship services be like after being lassoed into the digital realm for so long? It's tough not being in fellowship with one another, but perhaps this opens up new ways for us to relate, or for churches to expand their outreach. I'm going to be honest, I don't really have the answers to any of these questions right now, but that's okay. We can take solace in knowing that there is a bigger plan out there than ours. And while I don't know how I'll personally be shaped by this event, I do know that it's made me at least in the moment, very grateful and appreciative of things that I maybe took for granted. For example, the easy access to stuff, like our normal grocery store items, our favorite restaurants, or even toilet paper, of all things. It's made me appreciate nature, even more than I already did. I miss being outside, I miss parks, I miss moving around, being able to go places, whether they be new or familiar. And it's really made me appreciate people. Not that I'm totally devoid of human contact, but just face-to-face interaction. I miss handshakes, smiles, hugs. I miss being at school, and it's just, this has made me so appreciative of all those things. So in this time of slowing down, in this time of adaptability, I hope for two things for you guys. I want you to think about what you miss. Think about what you're appreciative of right now. Maybe reassess a few things in your life going forward. And my second point, just remember that the past, history, informs the present. We have gone through some stuff, and yet we're still here, we're still growing, and we're still learning. So as... uh those uh, that are that are listening saying okay i w- i want to really try this idea of of uh you know meditating on on scripture you know kind of christian meditation as as you mentioned earlier um what are some maybe someone says you know i've never I've really done that before uh what are some things uh, some very practical tips that you could maybe share with them uh on how they can do that or or some some considerations as they kind of maybe move into that space? So I think for this psalm, um, maybe if I could just give an overview of, of some yeah, of the other things yeah. too, because I think it 
it could send you to different places as well that might bring a little bit more imagery to mm-hmm. it. Sure. Um, but what I would say in general is reading through it a few times and trying to get an overall sense of what it's saying. Um, maybe if it seems like it's referring to another story somewhere, going and looking that up as well. But that would require some sort of familiarity with like an overall bi- biblical thing, which I'll which I'll just tell you in a second mm-hmm. what this seems to be referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, but a concordance is helpful for that, things like that. But again, if you're just meditating on it, reading through it a few times, looking up other sorts of things that it's referring to, and then as you're looking at smaller chunks of it, just repeating that. God is my refuge. Lord, thank you for being my refuge and my strength. And even you could even just focus on one word, um, which knowing what those words mean really is helpful too, which I can say that too. But so this psalm especially, um, or this psalm seems to be divided into three main sections. Uh, the, the first section is one through three that stops it. Well, each section is kind of divided by Selah which no one really knows what that word means, mm. but it um, people have guessed maybe it's some sort of poetic notation that means interlude or musical interlude or something mm-hmm. or a pause of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the first section, verses one through three, uh, he says, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Uh it it repeats mountains in two and three and also talks about water a few times. And if you are thinking of like the biblical narrative, um, that might send you back to Genesis 1 where we see that at the beginning of creation, the earth was formless and void, which is this idea of chaos. There's nothing going on except a big orb of water. And... In that, by day three, God has separated the water and made dry land to appear. And with this psalm, it it seems to be indicating that that idea is being undone. With the creation narrative in in Genesis 1, God was making order out of chaos. And here, it seems like the chaos in the created order is being, the threat of it at least, is kind of more prevalent. Um, but he says, even in that, though mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, mountains are strong and stable, right? There are things that you don't expect to be moving about. But when those things do go, we can still not fear because God is our refuge and our strength and he's a present help in trouble. Um, so then the second section, it moves to this national and kingdom sort of thing, where in verse six, he says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Um, People have said that maybe that suggests like a political and national chaos. So we've gone gone from creation to national things. Uh, But even in this, I skipped verses four and five. Uh, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Um, God is in the midst of her. She won't be moved. And so this idea of God's city, God dwelling in her city, and his presence being the place of strength. So even when the kingdoms are moving and there's this political turmoil around us, God's habitation is with us. It says in the New Testament that his people are his new habitation. 
And so God is with us and we don't have to worry um, whenever there is a national or political chaos because God is with us. He is our fortress. And in the last section, he's destroying all of the instruments of war. He's making peace on the earth. And so in all of these things, again, um, the Lord of hosts, which is an image of warfare, God as a warrior, he is establishing peace in the midst of chaos. And regardless of the threat of whatever the chaos is, whether it's in the created order or whether it's in a national or political order, um, those threats have no contention with the God who is our refuge. And the last thing is like where it says he is our fortress. The word for that is um, depicts like a high refuge or a safe place or a retreat or a stronghold. So some sort of thing that's up high that you can go to and hide in whenever everything else around you is going in a messy place, you can retreat up there and be safe because our God is our safe, strong place. And even if you were to meditate on that idea for like two weeks, I don't think you'd exhaust that of even just asking the Lord to give you a picture of what that looks like, whether it's like a mental image or something or another Bible verse that talks about people being in hidden in clefts or even Elijah who goes and hides in a cleft in a rock and God passes by. Um, I think all of these ideas can be things that elicit more, more stories of God's faithfulness for us. Um, that you really can stew on and chew on for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Wow, man, that's that's really um, really helpful, really encouraging, uh, Michelle. Thank you for taking the time to explain that because I think it's really beneficial for us to to really understand that the idea of of uh, uh, how uh, Scripture can and and is uh, uh, a, a God's living, breathing word that we can take that and hold on to that and continue to use that as a, a, a opportunity. Uh, you know, as we've been talking about of, of meditating, and, and I know we've been talking about Psalm forty six, um, but also obviously uh, applicable for uh, for all of Scripture. So, um, thank you so much for for sharing that, Michelle. Really appreciate it. Um, so, Leslie, as we start to wrap up this uh, episode, I know that we want to uh, kind of remind. Our community of uh, kind of, I know we've been saying our, our assignments, our, our homework of sorts. Um, just as a quick reminder, can we uh, can we share that with yeah, with every, everyone? Everything's homework. Right yeah, everything's now, right? homework. Right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. That's I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, a couple. So we have three assignments essentially. Uh, we're all memorizing Psalm forty six, and my recommendation is the best way to do that is for every family member who can read and interact with text, uh, make sure they have a copy. Uh, we usually have multiple vi- Bibles. Uh, we use ESV, so please, everybody, let's stick with ESV. Uh, it, it is uh, po- more, the most poetic, and it is also uh, accurate um, and intentionally beautiful um, in the choice, so that's why we selected ESV. Uh, so get your selection of Scripture. Um, everybody have that and simply read it together, and it really is okay if every family has a different rhythm. That's going to be natural. Uh, but you'll, I would just recommend do that. 
every time you gather as a family um, for once a day uh, or more if, if you are able. Um, the second assignment is um, please use uh, your, the voice memo uh, feature in your smartphone uh, to tell us how you as a family are loving others or using this time to enrich your lives. So just uh, what is it that you're doing? Maybe um, I've heard this really great idea that uh, as people are going and taking walks around their neighborhood because they've just got to get out of the house, mm -hmm. people were putting teddy bears in their windows mm. and the kids are looking, counting the teddy bears. That's so cute. Mm. Um, and so I'm so going to do that uh, because I just want the little kids in my neighborhood to know, hey, you can do something. Yeah. Maybe we can encourage our neighbors to do that. Um and then I'd like to encourage you to join us for our regular daily blessing time. Uh, we are using St. Patrick's Breastplate, which is a shield, and it is a poem that St. Patrick wrote, and it is um, based on much scripture, and it is beautiful. We have a small portion of it that um, you, will be in your hands. You will all receive it via email, and uh, I just encourage you, take that breastplate, say it out loud, either you, your whole family, um, your cute little children, whatever it will be. We love your voices. You may not love your voice. Very few people like their radio voice, but we love it. Yeah. And so please send us your voice memo. And here's how you send it. You, Michael can tell you how to do th the technology, but send it to me at my email, leslie.collins at covenantcypress.org. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so everyone's got a, uh, almost everyone uh, has a, a smartphone and you have a, yeah, a voice memo capability in there. So uh, open that uh, application up and yeah, go ahead and uh, send those 60 to 90 second uh, audio clips. If you're going to do uh, the St. Patrick's uh, breastplate, uh, a good place to do that is in your car, uh, which can also double not only as a great uh, sound deadening space, but also maybe gets you out of the house. So uh, there's a dual benefit for you. But uh, yeah, if you want to send those, uh, you can record it and then just export it right out uh, to uh, Leslie's email that she just gave. So leslie.collins at covenantcypress.org. So thank you for joining us on this episode and uh, a, a special thank you to Leslie Collins, our head of school here at Covenant Academy, and also Michelle Hunt, who is the upper school theology, humanities, and biblical Greek teacher. So thank you both for being here. Thank you, Michael. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity by invocation of the same, the three in one and one in three. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me. Christ in mouth, a friend and stranger. The thing that strikes me most about this prayer is the image of how it is a breastplate. A breastplate is not just something that you keep hidden, tucked in your pocket. It's um, a full co covering of your body that is on full display. It is likely the first thing that people notice about you. And it is the first offense against any attacks that come your way. It's amazing to know that this was St. Patrick's breastplate that he wore every day. The first thing um, that would stick out about him to everyone. Just that Christ was with him. 
Knowing St. Patrick's situation, this is even more impressive, as he was ministering in a place where he was a former slave, a place where people might treat him in a hostile manner. One would think that he might want to bring a breastplate designed for battle, just in case someone attacked him, but he didn't. Rather, he let Christ be his defense, and as we know from history, St. Patrick's faith brought Christianity to the whole of Ireland, and it is just an amazing story about what we can accomplish if we bind this breastplate to ourselves every day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Patriot Podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything discussed, feel free to contact us on our website at covenantcypress.org.